Hi, my name is Elijah, and I have the privilege to serve as the creative pastor here at City Life Church. We just wanted to quickly thank you. Thank you for tuning in wherever you may be watching from. Hey, if you haven't already, please go ahead and click the like and subscribe button. We believe that God has an amazing word for you today. So let's jump into today's message. We're going to finish our series today that we've been in, Believe for More. You know, in our Western culture, the minute you hear that term, believe for more, most of us think more stuff. I'm believing for warmer weather. <laughs> I got up today, it felt like we were in Ohio or something. But then I turned on the TV and I saw what was happening in Ohio. I'm like, thank you for Florida. Good news is next week it'll be back up to 80. I was in Washington, D.C. two days ago at the March for Life, and I was uh, at a gala there at the Museum of the Bible. And I'm telling you, I was reminded that I am blessed to live in the Sunshine State. Matter of fact, I got to the airport, and I was there for six hours trying to get on a plane. Finally, when ours took off, I just had a little praise party right there on the plane, and I waved all the other planes that were down below me. But, um, you know, our foundation is not in those things that are shifting. In our culture, when you hear a term like this, believe for more, we just immediately think more stuff. More stuff. I've been believing for this and believing for that. And truly, God doesn't care if you have stuff. I've told you before, it's when stuff has you. But our prayer is this, more of Him, less of me. More of Him, less. I'm so glad that my foundation isn't built in temporal things. You know, Sunday, uh, this past weekend, Casey and our part of our worship team, some of our students were out in California leading worship at a conference, Winterfest, and then she stayed and preached in L.A., and I'm telling you, revival just broke open there in L.A., and I flew to Dallas, and I preached in Dallas last Sunday morning, and then I had tickets to the Cowboys game. And if you've been here long, you know I'm a Cowboys fan. Well, I'm telling you, it did not go the way I thought. The first quarter, I knew we were in trouble. And then after we got pounded on for four quarters, I had to walk back to the car in six-degree weather. Yeah, but then I came home to Tampa and got to go to the Bucks game. It was a little better. 65-degree weather. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But I'm so glad that my hope is not built on temporal things. I'm, I'm thankful that my faith isn't anchored in a football team or an economy or a political party, a Republican or a Democrat. But it's built upon a rock that has never moved. And as I read in John chapter 30, John chapter 3 verse 30, we find that this is being declared by one that came to prepare the way for Jesus. He simply said this, he must become greater, I must become less. He must become greater and I must become less. The one that he was talking about was Jesus. Jesus would have one message that he would preach. It would be the message of the kingdom. He would preach a message that as a kingdom would come, God's will would be done. He would teach us to pray the kingdom. He said if you will pray that his kingdom will would come in your life, his will and his purpose would be established. And then he tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, if we live a life according to this scripture, everything we need will fall in place. He said, seek first. Somebody say, seek first. seek first. Not last, but seek first the kingdom of God. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I wish it was always my first resort, but has prayer ever been your last resort? Come on, don't look at me like that. I know you've done this. You know, I, I got in there and I thought I had it all together, and all of a sudden I'm in a mess, and I said, Lord, I need you. 
Here's what he said. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. Everything you need will be fall into place. Here's what you have to understand. God doesn't care, again, if you have stuff. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have nice things in life. But again, when stuff has you, and he said, if you understand the power of the kingdom, it establishes uh, the righteousness and the right standing of Christ so that you can handle the stuff. Because God's not going to give you stuff you can't handle. I meet people all the time and say, Pastor, I want to go to another level. And I'm thinking, man, the now level you're at's a mess. It's dysfunctional. Why would God take you to another level when you can't handle this level? But I find when I'm faithful in small places, he establishes me and allows me to rule over them. We, we challenge you in the first week of the year. We gave you a Bible reading plan. It's on our app. Jump on it. Help you read the Bible. Well, we, we, we talk about personal devotion. How many of you know you need personal devotion every day of the week? You need to commune with God, not just on Sundays as a pastor is leading, you're a small group. We need a time of personal praise. We need to thank God for who he is. We need a personal time of worship so we begin to reflect and thank God for who he is in our life. We need a time of a personal word. I'm telling you, there's some things God has in this book for you. The Bible said it's a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. It not only illuminates your present, it shows to where you're going. And there's some things he's hidden in here, not from you, for you. I'm telling you, there are times I read the Word of God, and I've read it over and over, a story, and something new jumps out. Matter of fact, we're going to read a passage here in a minute, and this week it just jumped out at me when I read this passage. There are things in this book that I've read over and over, and every time I read it, it comes alive again. It begins to unlock for the now season of my life. A book that was given thousands and thousands of years ago, but Today, it's as fresh as when it was first given because it's God-breathed. You need a personal time of the Word. And then you need to have a personal time of prayer. Not just a pastor leading you in prayer. Not just somebody, a time you pray over your meal. But, but a time where you sit and talk to God. You may not have an hour to do it every day. But give Him a few minutes. And I'll tell you, you begin to give Him a few minutes, your time will stretch. But not only talk to God, listen to God. He has things to say. He has things to say about you, your family, your journey. And begin to listen. But then obey what God says. That's the tough part sometimes. The Bible said if we're only a hearer of the word, but not a doer of the word, we mock ourselves. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit coming and developing in our life. Now here's the, here's the reality. Everybody wants the gifts of the Spirit, but, but few people want to develop the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are tough. They take work and cultivation. They take discipline in your life. But listen to me. It's the fruit of the Spirit that validates the gift of your life. It's the fruit of the Spirit that validates the gifting we have and what God has given us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now you may look down this list and some are easier than others. I've told you before, patience is one I have trouble with. You know, for some it may be self-control, but whatever it is, these are the fruits that develop. He said against these things there's no law, there's freedom. If you, if you have these develop in your life, you'll live out the perfect plan of God. If you have these develop in your life, every gift in your life will come alive. And God moves us from glory to glory. You may not realize this, but God is taking you somewhere. There's a purpose in your life. 
There's a reason you're on planet Earth. There's a reason you're in this season of life. You were built for this time. And God is taking you somewhere. And if you ever get that revelation that you're here on purpose, for purpose, it changes everything. It's more than a job. It's more than just making money. But there's a reason you're on planet Earth. It's a reason he gave you those gifts and that skill set. It's a reason he gave you that personality. Or it's a reason that he gave you no personality. No, I'm joking. There's a reason he built you the way he did. I was just joking. Everybody has a good personality at City Life. Listen, send me an email. Were you talking to me today? I'm looking at nobody. But in this journey, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. When I was in Bible school, there were two words that they taught us to look for. Two words. The word therefore and the word behold. And this scripture, this verse has both these words. Matter of fact, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there it is, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And then here's the word behold. That simply means strap on your seatbelt. Something of significance is about to be declared. Something life-altering and life-changing. Behold, all things have become new. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. You're in this process. And as you begin to pray more of him, less of me, I will tell you what happens. The things of you begin to fade. And the things of him begin to come forth. And the promises and the fruit of his spirit begin to develop in our life and he begins to release us of where we've been to take us to where we're going because I would say in a room like this and services like we have thousands of people here today at City Life Church at one of our campuses or one of our services there's some people carrying some baggage anybody got any baggage in this room I do we all do because we're human some are greater than others, but we all drag through life. We're all shaped by where we've been. But if we do not watch where we've been will affect where we're going. That marking place, that divorce, that bankruptcy, that hurt by someone that you really had no control over, that teacher, that Cub Scout leader, that person that left, that person that they said they would stay, but they didn't, and now you're here. And here's what happens. We make choices. You know, God's about to speak to a young man named Moses. Moses would be a great leader. He would really pastor the church of the Old Testament. He'd be this guy that led people out to take them in. But the problem was Moses was an orphan. He had an orphan spirit. He was put in a basket and they floated him down the river. Anybody remember that story of Moses? Somebody said he was a basket case. That's a bad joke. Put him in a basket, float him down the river. Some of you will get that on the way home. You know, your, your brain's going to thaw today. You know, it's, but they put him in a basket, float him down the river. He was found, brought into Pharaoh's house, a wicked man, and he was raised in Pharaoh's court. He murders someone, he's on the run, and now he finds himself in a desert place, but God still has a plan. Aren't you thankful for God's plan? Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, he called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, 
do not draw near to this place. Take off your shoes, for the place you are standing is holy ground. Take off your sandals, the place you're standing is holy ground. God shows up. He's getting ready to reveal to Moses that he is going to be the mouthpiece of the kingdom. He is going to walk into the most powerful man's court, the man that was the most powerful man at that time in the earth, Pharaoh. And he was going to declare to him a word from God that God's people were getting ready to pack up all their stuff and leave Egypt. He was getting ready to lead the people of God through the Red Sea. He was getting ready to lead an army through a wilderness. He was getting ready to go up on the mount and get a word from God in the glory of God. He was going to be have an encounter in such a way that his face would glow with God's glory. But the problem was he was an orphan, he was a murderer, he was on the run, and he was living on the backside of the desert. But I don't know about you, but some of the greatest times God speaks to me are in desert moments of my life. It's not in bountiful moments, it's not in blessing moments, but it's in those moments where I'm just fighting the good fight of faith. I think sometimes those are moments when we have ears to hear. Because sometimes it's hard to hear God when things are going well. Boy, when you're just in a season of overflow, we get comfortable. So you have to make sure in those seasons you listen closely. But here's what happens. The Bible said on the backside of the desert, watching somebody else's sheep, God speaks to Moses. And he does it through a unique circumstance. I'm telling you, this is crazy. It's a bush that is set on fire. Now, that's not uncommon in the desert. Bushes would burn, and you'd find that there were uh, desert fires. But here's the problem. This bush was not being consumed. This was kind of crazy. So Moses begins to look, and here's what God says to him. He says, Moses, don't come any further. You're in a holy moment. And then he said this, take off your shoes. Well, you have to understand about shoes in this day. Matter of fact, most homes in this day, if you wore the shoes in a home, when you got to a home, you brought reproach or shame on that house. Because they believed that you were carrying the debris of outside to the inside. The debris of the past into the present. They were believing that you were carrying yesterday into a now moment, and it would bring shame and dishonor. Matter of fact, they'd run you out and get upset if you wore your shoes into a house. Shoes were the first thing given to a slave. Very few slaves in this day ever owned shoes. Matter of fact, you had to be a high-ranking slave, almost like Joseph at Potiphar's house, if you were given shoes, because it was a signification of authority. But most slaves never had shoes, so the first thing given to a slave would be shoes. They would signify they were now free to walk into a new season. And when God sees Moses at this moment, he said, Moses, take off your shoes. You're getting ready to go into a season that you have never been in, but I want you to understand, you cannot bring the debris of the past. You cannot bring the debris of where you've been. You can't come in with an orphan spirit. You can't come in with that hardness of who you are. I know you're on the run for the sins that you have committed. I know you are broken and you feel like you have no people and you're even watching somebody else's sheep. But if you carry your yesterday into where I'm taking you it will not be an effective season take off your shoes you're standing at a holy moment I would say that there are people that God says you're at a moment of crossing you're at a holy moment and I want to take you to where you have never been but if you drag all the debris of your yesterday in your tomorrow I'm telling you everyone in this room we all have baggage the Bible said we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory but the key is there come these moments where God says, let me wash you. Let me turn you. Let me take you in a new place. He said, take your shoes off. You're standing at a holy place. The place I'm taking you, you can't bring the debris with you. 
The place I'm taking you can't bring your yesterday with you. The place I'm taking you need to stand confidently in my presence, on my authority, and not in the debris of who you were. You're going to need to be able to walk into Pharaoh's court and say, when he asks who sent you, you say, I am that I am. Who are you? You're an orphan. You're a murderer. I am that I am sent me. The God of all eternity sent me. You have to be able to stand in my authority, in my prayer. So take off your shoes. You're at a holy moment. I think that's why in John chapter 13, the Bible said that Jesus does something to the disciples. He's getting ready to leave them. And the Bible says that just before he leaves them, something happens. The Bible said Judas was just betraying Jesus. He hurt Jesus deeply, hurt the other disciples that spent money with And this is what takes place. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that the hour had come to leave the world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during the ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. So it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simeon, Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel out around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter... Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Jesus, the Messiah, the King of all glory. What you have to understand, the one that washed feet at a home was the lowest of servants. So Jesus finishes it dinner he just is deeply wounded by one that he loved Judas betrays him hurts the other disciples but in a moment of hurting in a moment of brokenness Jesus does I'm telling you everything in the word is a life lesson it wasn't just any random moment it was at the moment of betrayal and Jesus does something he gets a basin of water wraps around him a towel and one by one he begins to wash the disciples feet all the particles that were on their feet from their past journey, he is now washing. And he gets to Peter, and everybody knows Peter is, is, is a loud mouth. We find that in the Word of God, all through the Word of God. He's the one, but, but wasn't it crazy that Jesus would use him as the mouthpiece on Pentecost? Because he takes those weak areas of your life and makes them strong. But here's what happens. He gets to Peter, and Peter says, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Are you trying to wash my feet? You know, Peter, he would always run off in the mouth. Matter of fact, over and over, he would deny that he even knew Jesus. Matter of fact, the Bible said one day that he went on a cussing rage. It's, it's in the Bible. He cursed. There's hope for some of you today. I'm joking. I'm joking. He, he cursed. He, he had that language. And he gets to Jesus. Jesus gets to him and he says, are you going to wash my feet? You're not going to. Are you crazy? I'm not going to allow you to wash my feet. And this is what Jesus said. He said, if you're not going to allow me to wash my feet, you must have missed it. You really don't know what I'm about. After three years, you've missed the point. After three years, you've missed this moment. He said, if you don't allow me to wash you, you'll have no part in my kingdom. And something breaks. And Peter says, you know what? Then wash all of me. Wash my head. Wash my hands. Wash my heart. Wash my feet. Wash all of me. If it is going to take me. If I, if, what he was saying was, unless you allow the debris 
free of the past to be of the past. You will never walk into your future. Matter of fact, I'm about to give you a kingdom. I'm about to give you keys to a kingdom. He would go on to tell us, he would tell these same disciples just a chapter later, he said, I've done great things, but you're going to do greater things because there's more of you and you'll be here longer than me. And I'm going to give you keys to a kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. But here's the key right here. To walk into your future, you've got to let go of the past. I want more of him and less of me. And everyone in this room has something that you are carrying and dragging. But I don't want the baggage of my yesterday to silence my tomorrow. But I want to stand up and say, greater is he that is in me than anything that is around me. I know in whom I serve. I want you to know this, that God has a work for you. 2024 is filled with God's goodness and God's blessing, but I don't want anything from 2023 or 1999 or 1983 to keep me from God's best. I want to rise up and say, wash me. Wash my head. Wash my hands. Wash my feet. Father, wash me. Forgive me. Come on, stand with me this morning. The Bible said there was a story in the Gospel of Luke, and this story involved a young man. And one day he goes to his father and said, Dad, I want all my stuff. I want everything that is mine because I'm a son. And the father loved this son so much he gave it all to him. And the Bible says the boy took all the right stuff, moved to a far place, and spent it the wrong way. Listen, you can have the right stuff and spend it the wrong way. You can have gifts, talents, and spend it the wrong way. You can be blessed and spend it the wrong way. And the Bible said he went to a far country and spent everything that he had until he was empty. No friends. And the Bible said one day he found himself working a job because he was out of money. And here was his job. He was feeding the swine, the pigs. Now, Jesus is telling this story about this Jewish boy and it's really going to be shocking when they hear it because if you know anything about Jewish custom, they don't eat pork because they believe those animals are unclean, let alone serve the pork or eat with the pork. So what he's saying is this is how deep this boy has gotten. And the Bible said he got so bad that he began to eat what he was feeding them. He was eat, I'm telling you, if you don't watch, you stay in a place long enough, you begin to feast on that place. And the Bible said one day he came to his senses. I believe he began to taste what he was eating, smell what he was eating. could hear the rumblings of the animals around him. Something quickened in him, and he realized that I'm in a bad place. And he made this statement. He said, you know, even my father's servants have it better than I do. You know, even my father's servants, you know, they work for a daily wage. You know, I'm going to get up and go back home to my father's. I'm not going to ask him to be a son, but I'm going to ask him if I can just have a job. So the Bible said the next morning he got up and he began to walk back towards his father's house. But here's what you see in this picture. Before he could get to his father, the father was waiting and watching. And the Bible said the father saw it coming from afar off. And before he could ever get to the father, the father got to him. And the Bible said the father wrapped him in his arms. But then the father does something. People are watching because the father had a lot of clout. He was a man of influence. He kissed the son. 
It wasn't just a, hey, boy, I'm glad you're home. It wasn't that. It was a sign of covenant. The minute he kissed him in his dirty state, he wanted everybody to know this is my son and we are in covenant. And then he said this, put a ring on his hand. What he was saying was he's about to have the authority of the house. And then he said, kill the fatted calf. We're about to have a party. You know that one that I've been fattening up for this day? Matter of fact, slaughter him. We're about to have a celebration. But then he said this, put new shoes on his feet. I'm not going to allow my boy to carry any shame into the next season. I'm not going to allow my boy to carry any debris into the next season. I'm not going to allow him to drag any of the pig pen into his next season. I'm not going to allow him to drag any of the mire into his next season. Put a new set of shoes on his feet. He's about to walk into a new season. I'm about to restore everything that has been lost, everything that has been broken. I'm about to declare old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm praying that in this time, that's what these represent right here, new things God is doing. <laughs> God's calling your sons and daughters home. For some of you, he's restoring relationships. For some of you, he's forgiving. And for others, he's allowing you to forgive yourself. He gets up, and before he could ever get to the Father, the Father got to him. Moses, take off your shoes. You're at a holy moment. You're not going to carry anything of this wilderness into your next season. Matter of fact, put new shoes on his feet. We're not taking the pig pen into his next season. Matter of fact, let's clean him up. Put a new robe around him. Put new shoes on it. When he walks in, he's going to have the authority of the kingdom. I want you to know this. He's giving you the keys to the kingdom. The team is coming right now, and they're going to lead us in worship. And when they come, here's what I want you to do. We're going to pray that this place right here is the burning bush. This is the place where God says you're in a moment. And that may not be for everybody, but there's some people as we leave this fast, you need to leave some stuff in this 21 days. For some of you, you just need to say, Lord, forgive me. For others, you need to say, Lord, I forgive myself. For some, you need to say, Lord, I release them. I forgive them. I can't go back and redo it. They can't go back and redo it. And you know what? They may never be my best friend, but Father, I release them today. I'm telling you, you're the one living in a prison if you have unforgiveness in your life. He said, well, Pastor, it was 22 years ago, but you've been living in this. Take your shoes off, Moses. I, I don't want you to carry that orphan spirit into your next season. I don't want you to carry the, the spirit of murder into the next season. I don't want you to carry all the resentment into the next season. For some of us, our attitude is not good. We have sin, strongholds, addictions unforgiveness, resentment, bad attitudes. We're cynical. We look at everybody through this broken lens and it's just negativity that just constantly flows out because it's a filter of something that happened 30 years ago. But today we're going to take our shoes off. We're going to step into some new shoes and we're going to walk into a new season. This may not be for everybody. But just, I want you to picture this as a wilderness place and a burning bush is here and God would say, take off your shoes and get ready. Get ready. I'm about to take you to where you've never been. As they begin to lead us in worship, if that is you, and you say, Pastor, I need to leave some things behind. I want you to get out from where you're at. I want you to come stand with me. I'm going to pray over you today. I'm going to agree with you. And together, we're going to walk into a new season believing that God is speaking, that God is moving, that God is declaring. Come on, if you're at church online, I'm going to pray with you today. Come on, right where you're at. Let's worship together. Thank you so much for watching this message. We pray that it encouraged you. Our church is not built on one individual, but on the sacrifice of so many. And so you being a part of that means so much to us. 
Our vision here at City Life is to reach the lost, help restore what has been broken, and to release people into their God-given purpose. If you would like to partner with us today, text GIVE to 844-311-1777 or visit our website. For more great content and messages, be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also download our City Life app and follow us on Facebook and Instagram while you're at it. Our services are at 9.30, 10.30, and 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'd love to have you be with us in person at one of our locations. And like we say here at City Life, go and be the city.